0: Welcome to the Pizza Pod, brought to you by Lots of Matza Pizza. For a great frozen pizza, check out Lots of Matza Pizza in your favorite local grocery store. Today we bring in a second-timer, Matt Cook, former NHLer, recently accepted the head coaching job at Chaska High School and has a few other things up his sleeve. We'll talk about those things and a few differences between Americans and Canadians. Hope you enjoy today's show.
1: Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire
0: Well, good afternoon, Matt. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, thanks. Yourself?
0: Uh, I'm doing great. Um, I am... Excited to have you on. You're kind of like Alec Baldwin, a uh, many-time guest here on today's show. Uh, There's a lot to catch up with you on. You know, Last time we left you about a year ago, you were just coaching and training, but COVID's been kind of a crazy thing, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's affected everybody. And I think that, um, you know, for me, it just gave me a lot of time to understand and figure out Know, my direction, my path and and where I want to head.
0: Yeah. So you, had, I mean, everyone's had that, that, that reflection, right? Like, wh- what do I want to do? What do I want to be? Right. Um, you've, you were, we touched on it a little bit in your bio podcast, but we really didn't dig too far into who you are as a trainer and working with kids and, and developing people. Um, let's go a little bit. Is that where you kind of came out of COVID thinking, I want to do more of that. And I'm, I'm feeling that's a passion because it's grown. It, you, had like an original six kids your first summer you did it and now you're like this perfect world thing is it's a perfect world like you've hundreds plus kids now are training with you
1: yeah I mean I think that you know when COVID hit my three business partners and I in like six days decided we were going to transition to online training and uh, we we did hours and hours of videos we I had to learn how to on a zoom meeting (laughs) i'm still trying to figure it out and i'm not super techie so it was a challenge and i think jordy would laugh jordy murray would laugh a lot because like i had to do test runs with him just to make sure that i could manipulate the buttons in the right way yeah um you know co hosts and all of the share screens and all of this stuff anyway uh coming out of it we actually our business grew um because of the attention to detail that we put into our Zoom uh, and the Zoom training. And so, you know, over the last 16, 18 months, we've really, really hit it hard. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is we've added an online pe- or uh, on-ice piece. So we have elite groups now, um, and in those elite groups, we include on-ice and off-ice training. And uh, it's been fun. It's, uh, it's taken off.
0: When you say elite, though, I mean, like... Ugh. These are elite players. I mean, these are D1 guys that are coming in and doing A lot of them are Edina guys, but that's going to be pretty cool. These top players see what you're saying, see how you're developing, and making them better, making them faster, making them stronger, making their core stronger, and they're seeing performance on the ice. Walk through the rewards you get from that.
1: Well, I mean, I was given a lot of gifts by coaches over the years, and when I trained, um, I was put in an old garage that was renovated into an Olympic gym right and the guy that trained me was an Olympic lifter and so that's how I trained and it created a discipline in my life but as I aged out in the NHL I got to work train with a guy Andy O'Brien who's the sports scientist with the Penguins and he basically removed all heavy weight and got my body functioning and moving in a better fashion to be a hockey player and it changed my opinion of what training should be. So no bench
0: pressing, did you, did you, no more you know squat racks and all that stuff? Is that is that stuff all kind of a thing of the past, or is that still being used? It's still being used in traditional models.
1: Um, we don't have I was
0: going to say, do you guys have them? No. And I, this isn't a setup. I've never
1: been to your gym, so I don't even know. <laughs> no. I'm guessing you did, not just based on our conversations. Yeah, we don't. And uh, not that there's not value in squatting, um, we just feel like, the amount of time that you spend on two feet is very short, um, and so we do a lot of we, we teach three main things, and that's hinge, rotation, and lunge. And if you can do those things at a high level, it's going to allow you to be a better hockey player. Right. So that's our focus. You want to tell me what that means? That sounds pretty
0: fancy. To me. I know mean, I, I get the lunge part down because my my try my quads and my hammies hurt like crap when I do them, but I don't know anything past that.
1: Well, they hurt because you're doing them incorrectly.
0: Oh, good, good, I'm glad, <laughs> glad,
1: all right. So we're uh, our slogan uh, is glute culture. Yeah, And well, uh, you
0: got a big glute, couple of glutes, you know that, Matt, right? Yeah. Glute, cult, sure, so there's a little cult in the middle of it. Yeah. That's pretty
1: clever. And so uh, we want to make sure that we're using glute meat and glute max right at the optimum level because that is your number one skating muscle. And most would look at legs, hockey players' legs, and think that their quads are, but actually their their side hip and their back hip uh, buttocks area are right. the number one skating muscle. And so that is our main focus. Um, and as long as we're using those muscles while we um, perform exercises, then we're getting better at hockey.
0: So... You started off, I, I liked your story. It's kind of cute, actually. You said, yeah, I had like six or seven guys like Mason Reiners and Mason Nevers, Jet Jungles, Peter Colby, Brinkman, Stedman, Bishop. Good group of kids, right? Yeah. Driven, type A personalities. You're making shakes for them in your house.
1: Spending way like a, too
0: much time sweaty in my theater room. Yeah. Boutiquing, like a total boutique of all boutique training facilities. Now, it's grown out of that. But you still have the high-quality players, the high-touch, high-detailed stuff. Is this still what's going on today with over 100 players?
1: Yeah, so that was originally, like, you know, me seeing if it was something I was interested in. And then the next summer, there was, like, 17 kids. And, um, you know, a mutual friend, Bill Dahl, introduced me to a guy by the name of Zach Rourke who was running the gym upstairs at Hattrick at the time. And Zach has (laughs) two masters and a Ph.D. in exercise science. And understands that intricacy of how the body moves at a very high level. And I brought on the experience component and, you know, told him that I'd be interested in sharing his space. But as we talked about training quickly, we realized that like our principles aligned how, how we would approach training, how we would approach a business and that we want to have high touches. So we had to keep numbers low so that we could create an effect on every athlete. And, um, we decided to do it together, and that's six years ago. And um, you know, fa- fancy enough. Um, you know, we've moved locations. We're now uh, on Washington Ave, right across from Bremer Arena, and we have our own space there. And
0: so near the uh, just from a perspective, is it near the Staubers facilities
1: over there? It's in the same
0: building. Oh, it is. Okay, all right. So same f- same actual entrance.
1: No. Just uh, same two, complex two, of buildings, two doors down.
0: Okay, got. It. All right, all right. Yeah. Now I know where it is. Like yeah. then there's there's Champions Hall, yep. and then there's the, uh, L, uh, the not the 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 Lifetime. Yep. There's a lot of athleticism going on in that literally
1: two block radius. Yeah. So we moved there two years ago, and it's been great. I mean, we we got over double the size, lots of turf space, so we can do the things that we want to do.
0: All right. What's the max number of kids in a session? Like you run in a summer program
1: there, are, sir? Well, twenty? Uh, no. So in the gym is eighteen. Eighteen. You know, all and, right. And and our athlete to coach ratio is six to two. So six athletes will have two coaches with them at all times. Oh, really? Yeah. So we keep a. I mean, we want to create a difference in the gym. And our another slogan of our, our, our company always called Perfect World Hockey Training, but one of our other slogans is train Perfectly. And so, and that's
0: kind of the concept of perfect world, right? I mean, yeah, and so, what does that mean? Tell me more.
1: It's so that, like, your body should sequence in a certain order. Your body should, you know, you should be using certain muscles when you lunge and when you rotate and when you hinge. And so, we make sure that we train our body, our minds, to use our body in the right way in the gym. And we call that building capacity. And what that capacity allows us to do is go out on the ice and be successful. And so, you know that's the that's the main focus in the gym is to build capacity so that we can go out on the ice and and develop and not think about all the other all the other things, but also not have the movement patterns be a limiting factor as to how we move on the ice. All right, what does hinge mean? I, mean,
0: I know what it's, I see my door here is a hinge, but <laughs> what does that mean from a hockey player's so, perspective? So where would a hinge happen if if you looked at a door? I'm thinking hinge. it's the joints, right? It's got to be your knee joints, your hip joints, right? Yeah, yeah. And so your it's, elbows, it's right? It's
1: mainly at your hips. Okay. All right. um, and so it's hinging from the hips, and it it's the beginning movement of a squat, right, okay is to hinge, so right. it's not a tip over, but a hinge right and so there's movement with within that that we want to focus on all right. what was the other one? we had the the hinge and then rotation
0: rotation now that's going to be your core,
1: probably uh the best way I could describe it to you is if you were a boxer, yep, if you punched with your hand, it won't hurt. Like, if you hit me with just your fist... It wouldn't hurt. It's not going to hurt. But if you use your big toe and punch me with your big toe... Yeah. And it comes all the way through your body, then you have a chance to knock me out. I like that. That'd be good. (laughs) (laughs) You better knock me out with that one.
0: (laughs) That was my point. I'm like, if I got one shot, I got to get my big toe in there. Yeah. All right, uh, having some fun here. So walk through, you know, I, I blurted out a few of the originals, but you've got some other, you know, high-end, high-name athletes that have come through and you've worked with and had some success with.
1: Yeah, I mean, now, so now the business has grown significantly, and we're in a position that we've actually tried to transition into staying a little bit smaller. Right. And so... It's by consultation now, and kind of your invite. It's 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 almost an invite only, right? Um, you know, it's word of mouth. Obviously, some of the you know the Drew Stewarts of the world, um, we Drew or Tristan Sarsland or Adam yeah. Marshall, Willie Johnson. I mean, you, we go down the list of good players in the state that are training with us. We rely on them to use word of mouth to get people to to come. We'll sit down with them and kind of explain who we are, what we do, and and how it looks for them, and then. If there's a mutual interest, then they start training with us.
0: Well, congratulations, Matt. You just sequenced out about five of the best players in the state right there. (laughs) Willie
1: Johnson
0: and Adam Marshall and Drew Stewart. You just basically took each class right down the line. So nice work there. You should get a job with us. (laughs) Um, All right. So we've kind of touched on the, the perfect world stuff. I just want to basically establish before we get into Chaska High School hockey coaching, I wanted to help you kind of just everyone understand like you didn't just you know come out of retirement from pros a couple years ago to coaching high school hockey you've been working with players successfully working with players the last few years Um, you're going into a new venture in in addition to Chaska you're almost as busy as YHH here Um, you're going to start a school uh, at Plymouth Ice Arena as part of the total package hockey
1: TPH right yeah so we're TPH is opening what they call a center of excellence okay. um, in Plymouth. And so it's uh, – the motto is study, train, play. And so there's an academic piece. The provider for the academics is Edmentum, yep. um, and they're actually – They're a, a d- local company, right? Blo- Bloomington Company, yes. Yeah. Um, and so we accept kids anywhere from 6th to 12th grade, but our focus is 6th through 8th. Um, we have no team attached to us, and so we're 100% focused on – uh, the development of each individual player, and by not having a team or having to worry about team systems, it allows us to do that.
0: So let's go the ninth to the twelfth grader. I'm guessing the ninth or twelfth grader might be someone who's playing tier one outside of Minnesota, if they needed some place to maybe to train and go to school during the day. Yes, that, okay. would, so that would. I don't want. Good. What I'm trying to do is get you out of trouble. Like, oh my God, they're starting a school. It's going to be high school, and they're going to compete in the state tournament in two years. We don't have a team. Yeah, and never want We don't want have a
1: team, one. and we're not we're not going to pursue having a TPH team, um, and that's what makes that makes us different than other academic models that exist right. in, this, in the city. I just region. want to get that out there because people would
0: freak out. They're already freaked out enough about another school in the northeast part of town, and we don't need any more of that. Um, you bring some of your perfect world stuff in there. You're also partnered with MAP west as well in this program so this is going to be a little bit about training a little bit about education a little bit a little bit of everything on a day-to-day basis how involved will you be uh from nine to five at tph
1: so of the on stuff i'm I, I am the director of operations and, hea- and head of hockey and so there's a tph is a national brand yes there, there'll be 18 locations come september 1st and so one of the cool things is there's a 36 week program that will be followed. I have the freedom to manipulate on ice stuff right. as I see fit within that 36-week model. But there's a development model that we will follow um, throughout the school year. Who founded TPH? Where where are they based? Uh, I just know that the, Jimmy
0: McGordy was involved in Detroit, and I knew they were all those a lot of those Detroit kids who are now on the NTDP team were TPH kids yes. during the day.
1: Yeah, and they were the they were some of the beginning models. So TPH has. In existence since 2004, okay, uh, and then they started with the academic model in 2014. Got it.
0: And they're—I know they're in Chicago. Where are they? Just off the top of your head, you can—I don't yeah. expect you to name all
1: 18, but no. But St. Louis, Scottsdale, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Superior, Detroit, uh, Denver. I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah, I they're mean, everywhere. And and pursuing where hockey is growing.
0: Right, right. Well, that's good for the game, that's for sure. Um, okay, so let's fast forward. You just figured, oh, I got a little bit more extra free time in my on my day. I'm going to go coach high school hockey.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always had a passion to coach. I mean, I love that part of giving back to the game. And, you know, when I first retired, I got jumped on with Orno and coached for two years there. I ran Minnesota Revolution as the head coach and GM for a year. Um, it's something that I've always had a desire to do. Um, it just – The opportunity just the last few years has been my focus has been perfect world hockey training and then, you know, my family and family time and family life. But, um, you know, opportunity came around and, you know, uh, the Chaska community is putting some trust in me and uh, has given me the opportunity to be the head coach.
0: So at what point this season, you know, at this at what point you said you wanted to coach get back into it full-time what what was the what was the deciding factor to do it and it didn't take a good high school program to snap you up quickly because I knew it's not just not just high school I'm sure there's there's college teams that would take a Matt Cook there's pro teams that would take a Matt Cook what 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 finally made you flip the switch say I want to do this so I want to be a head coach instead of kind of a bystander assistant coach <laughs> at,
1: at Orono yeah I mean I mean taking a two-year break has and then obviously COVID has been like okay yeah. I'm, I'm I'm ready to get back involved um my youngest is a junior in high school yep um he's got a year left and so you know I want to be involved and so you know high school hockey in Minnesota is pretty much at the level of junior hockey in other parts of the country or, yeah. or North America and so it's no slouch and Chaska is a up and coming hockey market that is super exciting and a, and a position that I'm excited for.
0: Yeah. Well, it's definitely untapped. All right. So let's talk about, uh, we've ta- kind of answered the question why you want to coach. Um, were you ever a captain in the NHL? Were you ever, did you ever have a role as captain in coaching role? Assistant captain. You were assistant captain. Um, the reason I'm asking that is there's a lot of coaching responsibilities that come with leadership roles. um, do you see a little bit of what you did in the NHL as 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 a leader there, as a high school coach too? Because you're going to have younger players, right? Yeah, for sure. Who There's, don't know their way around a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm stuck on when I was an assistant captain or when I wasn't, because I spent a lot more time not an assistant captain. Right. But I felt like that didn't dictate whether I needed whether I was a leader or not. Right. And I mean, so, you mean that's the stitching on your jersey, yeah, right? Yes, I agree with it. Yeah, yes. I agree. And so, like. I would tell you my whole time while I was here in Minnesota, part of the understanding between Mike Yo and I is that I would help from a peer standpoint to help develop Nino Niederreiter, Charlie Coyle, uh, Mikhail Grandlin, all of the young guys and help them understand what the daily tasks were um, and how they could put their thumbprint on each and every game. And so I was coaching them... The whole time I was playing, Um, you know, a good friend of mine that's still an assistant coach with the wild would tell you that I stole the dry erase marker a few times (laughs) to change the drill so that we could get out of it. What they
0: wanted. Right. Walk through those guys because now none of those guys are here. Right. Right. I mean, Nino and, and, uh, Coyle and, and Mikhail. what were they like when they were young? I mean, what was it? Was, was there – were they just green behind the ears? What was it like to kind of take those guys
1: under your wing? Uh, Did you see a little bit of yourself in those guys? I mean, they were all given a more offensive role. <laughs> yeah. Then, yes. than, than I ever was. Yeah. Um, and I was dependent on in junior for that offense. But when they came here, they were put in positions to succeed. And I think that part of that was uh, like Charlie – I mean, he has the physical ability to be the most dominant power forward in the game. And I think some of that has come out since he's been in Boston. Yeah. And he showed stints of that. Here, absolutely. The problem was it was just too inconsistent. And part of being a professional athlete is your ability to be at a level consistently night in and night out. And so that's why I think he fell out of favor here over time was that he just, once you get labeled, it's hard to... get out unless you have a fresh start
0: yeah yeah and then uh like nino for example his he came in you know he's a first round draft pick and he was kind of damaged goods and i thought he had a great uh career here great years while he was
1: here what was that like being with him watching him he kind of sprouted here i thought yeah i mean i I think his growth was huge and Obviously, his defining moment is his overtime goal against Colorado right. that everybody remembers, and I remember it because I was in the hallway in the locker room in Colorado losing my mind. Um, but, you know, his another guy that's a big forward that didn't really understand his ability to use his body yeah, and how that would enhance his opportunities offensively. And so trying to work him through understanding that, like you know, early in a game you have a, the opportunity to influence somebody. Right, that may bring way more opportunities for you late in the third period, and so just explaining nuances of the game and and that kind of stuff. So I was doing that all the time, and you know I had a I had a a, a coach in junior that was willing to be available all the time, and if I wanted to stay out after practice for an hour and work on faceoffs, he would. If I wanted to work on d zone coverage, he would. He played in the NHL. His name was Paul Gillis, and he was uber committed to his players and that rides with me today as something that will allow me to earn the trust of my players is that i'm available i i'm i have availability and i have all the time in the world to try and teach the nuances of the game to kids that want to learn right
0: and it's uh, not to talk about your checkbook but this isn't something you're doing for money i mean you're going to get paid (laughs) a little bit to coach jask but you're doing this to help players get better Get to junior hockey, get to college hockey, get to professional hockey, and you've seen it growing up in Canada what it takes to make that step from from junior b's to junior a's to to jun- to uh minor league hockey into the professional ranks,
1: yeah, but let's face it i mean the the odds are against a lot of athletes right to, to make the acme of their sport, and so at some point, even in my world, like hockey ends, yeah, i, mean, I was thirty five years old and hockey stopped, yeah, right? and so what are you going to do with the gifts that you got from your sport? And this is my opportunity to give back. This is my opportunity to enhance kids' lives, not just from a hockey standpoint, but also from an education standpoint, from a personality standpoint, and from a humanitarian uh, standpoint. Because, you know, some of the things that will be crucial for me is to make sure that my players are involved in the community.
0: Right. Um we, I think you've already answered like every question I had written out here, and it's <laughs> you're just I mean, it's knocking okay. I'm out. Just, I'm just
1: doing your job for you. That's
0: okay. right. I, just don't knock me out, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, last, uh, so this kind of goes, uh, kind of finalize this last question. Like, how are you different? I mean, I've already seen how you're different. Your training methods seem to be different already. So, if they're going to train with you, that that's different. Um, talk about when some of the differences you're going to have from a, from just your standard. You know, you break the mold, the, the the mold of coaching. How do you break the mold? And how do you, uh, when, a, when a Chaska kid uh, shows up for STP this summer, or Chaska kid shows up for tryouts in November, what's what's going to be the difference between you and just your average coach?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know what the average coach is. That's I, you know, so I, I mean, I think you just already said one
0: thing. You're willing to step out and and spend an extra hour after practice working with somebody on something. That to me is a huge difference. I think a lot of these coaches are punching the clock at four thirty, and they're they're going home or they're going to go scout you know
1: yeah i mean I, th- I think for me uh i'm not that far removed from playing and i had an opportunity to be coached by some great coaches um and so and i've also been around young athletes over the last five years training them in the gym and have an understanding of how these kids tick and what makes them work and how they need to be coached and so um and one of the things that I did in my career is adapt to different scenarios. Early in 1998, when I came into the league, like if you were under 6'2", you didn't play, but I was 5'10". Right. And I ended up playing 1,046 games. So I broke the mold there, and I feel like I don't have a set coaching way, and I have the awareness to be able to create an environment that's going to enhance the growth of the group without leaving anybody behind and that's my goal. All
0: right, so before we uh, hit the record button, you we talked a little bit about your job interview and some of the questions you faced in the interview process at Chaska. and I thought you, one of your answers was awesome. You said, well, if we're playing do you used that as an example, and that's one of your conference I mean rivals. I mean, if you're going to win the Metro West, you got to beat Benilde, and everyone knows that, and you going to beat Chanhassen and Jefferson and those teams, but Let's not kid everyone. Everyone knows Benilde is the king of the conference. He said, "If Benilde's doing this, we're going to know we're going to shut down their weaknesses." How are you going to? What are you guys going to do as a staff? Are you going to be out watching Benilde because you've never you haven't you don't have five years of tape on Benilde? So you got to get out there and watch Benilde. Is that what your staff's going to do? Is to to watch Benilde, watch Prior Lakes, watch these teams and know these teams backwards
1: and forwards before you play them? I didn't tell you yet. No, you haven't told me that. YYH is going to start Y-H? broadcasting every high school game, so I don't have to go watch. I can just... Just tune in and watch it online? I can record it, and then I can view it at a later moment. All right, so you will watch film from these guys. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I think is super crucial in my teachings. I think it's it's not the be-all, end-all to teach right. through video, but I think that uh, it's a powerful supporter to the, to messaging, and, and it will allow kids to... St- that are visual learners to see it and help the buy-in process.
0: All right, so you get out there, you're going to know your opponents really well. Um, I know you don't. You're not going to answer this question very directly, but I'm going to just push you a little bit. Will you be if you had a dream team of top-end players? What would be Matt's ideal style to play? Do you want to you want to score seven, eight goals, or do you want to just beat everyone by one and, and lock it down?
1: <laughs> I don't think it's either. Come on. The important thing for me, truthfully, yeah, is that we play in a group of 5. Yeah. Wherever wherever that overhead camera is, they always see 5 in the picture. That is important to me. That is the number one goal, and if it is, will be very very difficult to play against.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um how much classroom training will you have with your team to get to that? Cuz that's not easy. What you're talking about is not easy.
1: I don't think you can separate it. I think it's built-in practice. I think it's um, healthy competition, um, upbeat practices that force kids in uncomfortable positions. Um, you know, people like that. I mean, a- as the head coach, at the end of the day, during practice is rehearsal, right? And right. So that's when I can coach and that's when we can work on it. When it's game time, I got to let them do their thing and then we can teach during the next rehearsal.
0: What did you learn? What was your biggest takeaway from being on the bench with Parrish at Orno for two years? What was the thing like, ah, something I really liked about high school hockey or something that I wish could change high school hockey?
1: I don't think there was anything that I disliked. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously, it was my first realization that I can't go out on the ice and do it for them. That's one of my next (laughs) questions. We're going to get to that one in a minute. (laughs) So... Uh, I, I had to learn how to uh manage my brain on the ice. Um and then On the, the bench, th- you mean? Yeah. To not be oh, on the right. ice, yeah, man, that's right.
0: right. Like so then But you gotta manage your ice when you're on the practice sheet of ice too.
1: Yeah. Uh, but like last week, you know, three or four of us coaches were on the ice with our kids at Perfect World Hockey Training and we scrimmaged with them. <laughs> and the reason why was because you know, one, one, it was a, it was a teaching because like four coaches do something that's significant that none of the other kids do, right? And so we use it as a teaching moment. And then so who were the coaches? George, Jordy, one of them. Jordy Murray, yep. John Dragger, Brady Murray, which is actually Jordy's older brother. Okay. And then how many kids does Andy have? Three. Just three. Okay, all right. And then John, like John Dragger, right? Yep. So, uh, the four of us, and that it took didn't take the kids long to realize and understand that our communication skills are very, very high. And so it's almost annoying, but you're hearing the four of us when we're on the ice all the time. And we're being eyes for our partner. Right. And so the execution level goes way up, even with kids that aren't at that level, because they're getting help. Right. From their teammate. (laughs) And so that's one of the things that will be very encouraged um, in Chaska is the communication side of it. And it's hard. It's hard to get yourself into buying into that, but if you can be your partner's eyes, the rate of success goes way up.
0: It's crazy you should say that because it's almost an age. You know that fifteen to eighteen year old where it's sort of too cool to ask for help kind of age. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, and you're actually giving help, but then you watch college players. They're talking all the time. You watch pro players. They're talking all the time out there.
1: Because that's high, what everybody does. Yeah,
0: but high school. It's just. It's almost like, dude. If you're if you're chattering too much, you're going to get made fun of on the bus. Yeah, maybe yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. All right. Um, so um, you're saying I got to create some sort
1: of re- reward. I don't know what. You, <laughs> I'll tell you
0: wow. what. My JV coach at Southwest, uh, Larry Larson, every practice had a snicker. He'd pull a snicker bar out of his jacket and he'd go, "All right, shootout. Who's going to win?" And he got a snicker bar. I mean, nothing got me going more than a snicker bar. <laughs> it might only be a snicker bar. I mean, it doesn't, that won't take much for a high school coach. Like, we literally just
1: see those, like, sharks in the water. Right. Oh, snicker. You know, we're going hard after that snicker bar. You it's know? funny. In the NHL, the loser has to have a mustache for a month. <laughs> so it's a bit different. That is. We couldn't have
0: I wouldn't be able to grow one in high school. <laughs> All right. Uh, you touched on it just a second ago.
1: Um, you, John Drager. He's he's locked in as an assistant for you. He is. Yep. Right now, he's the only one that's locked in. We're going to hire probably two more uh, assistant coaches, um, and I'm in that process now. Um, but John Drager, you know, grew up in Faribault, played in Shattuck, won two national championships there, was drafted by the Minnesota Wild, played four years at Michigan State, was an assistant coach in Prior Lake for a few years after he graduated and um, hasn't coached the last couple of years because he's been involved with Perfect World Training. And so um, this will get him an opportunity to get back coaching.
0: All right. Uh, you, 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 I, you're taking all my questions. Now. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> you can, I was going to tee him up a little bit more. Um, and he, you've worked side by side with him for two years. Yes. Um and what 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 does he bring to the table that you don't bring to the table? Cuz you kind of have to have some some positives and negatives here. Where where is where's is, see is the good cop or the bad cop? What do you think? What's he going to be? You said he's a D, right? Yeah, so he's going to he, run the he, D, he's right? He's a defenseman,
1: so his res- responsibility will be first and foremost will be to f- to make sure that we're, you know, proper defensively. Um second of all, I think that he's uh he's very dynamic in his explanations. Um and so he's good at reading off me and understanding if i'm trying to get something across that's not getting across he can wor- he would word it in a different way okay um and so from that point i think that it makes us a little more dynamic um of a team because uh, his ability at that and then he's an unbelievable administrator <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah. He organized so yeah super organized and so he will help with uh in long term i mean obviously schedules is already set this year but moving forward he'll be Um, involved in helping me manage all that stuff.
0: Um, uh, Just out of curiosity, I know you have five of your games are on YHH in in our opener. You guys have Duluth East and St. Thomas Academy. You have um, probably Dinah, Eden Prairie, and another team in our Hockey for Life event over Christmas. Who else do you got on the schedule? I know you, I know the Chaska had uh, the Metro West got Waconia, New Prague, and Orno added. That's six more games to your schedule. Who else do you have on the schedule in the, in the AA realm? Off, do, you, do you know off the top of your head? So Chanhassen. Yeah, that's schedule. That's, yes. that's, that's in your conference. Any out-of-conference games that you can think of off the top of your head?
1: I think the only one I in mean, Eastview is. They're, yep, they're that's, try, that's like, non-conference. They're trying to get Eastview in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I think that's You're
0: loaded it. up conference-wise. I yes. mean, that's a big conference now and really doesn't help i mean i can say it you won't have to say it publicly but doesn't help you much because if you want to be one of the best double a teams in the state you're going to need to play minnetonka oh yeah minnetonka on your schedule too yeah Yeah. you're going to need minnetonka you're going to need prior lake you're going to need those teams on your schedule in order to to really grow your program uh what are some of the priorities you have as a coach uh, in your first year or just as in
1: general as a coach well i think number one is to Set up a relationship with the kids where they trust me. I mean, integrity is a big thing, and if they trust me and our, our staff that uh, we know what we're talking about, um, that goes a long way in the buy-in because at the end of the day, they gotta buy into what the coach is selling. Number two, um, we gotta get some systems in place, and, and and it's not rigid. It's not we're all offense or we're all defense. It's not we're playing trap. I mean, it's not. I don't. When I say systems, I don't mean that. But basic. Uh, principles that the team can rely on or fall back on when we're struggling or when things aren't going our way. Um, And then lastly is to just the culture, you know, creating a culture that's about development. It's about growth. It's about team success. And, uh, and, and that goes a long way with buy-in.
0: All right. So you, you stole one of my questions or you teed up one of my questions. It's, it's the, it's the Matt Cook uh, player, right? You as a player, uh, you ran the gamut. You know, you were the fourth-line guy. You're the tough guy. You're a goal scorer. You're a setup guy. You've basically had every role that there is in the NHL, so that, that's a good positive for your coaching. Um, but you play in the NHL. I mean, this is, like you said, the acme of the game. Can you come down to this level and, and coach at a junior level or a U18
1: high school level? I mean, I think I'm sorry, I'm a tough question, but it is it's fine. I, th- I think it's a great challenge for me. I think that uh, I can't wait to prove that I am a good fit for the high school level. Um, I believe that it's not too early to teach, and so I'm going to give these kids a head start on what the NHL game is about and what the levels of execution look like, and those things are going to help us be successful as a team.
0: Uh, what do you see uh, out of the gate? Do you, do, you, do you see anything, anything in high school hockey? You said you didn't. There was nothing you didn't like. What do you see if you could make one change to high school hockey? Um, not you personally, but it, you know, progress to something it would be more games. Would it be more practice time? If you had, if you had the keys to the MSHSL for a year, I always ask this: Be what what rule would you change? I know mine would be more access to players because they they shut the door for certain times of the year, what would your one thing be?
1: I mean, I I came through the junior system in Canada. and 60 games. At 16 years old, you're playing 66 games. Right. And the challenge is as a, where there's a bit of a drop-off, and I know they're trying to get more like a college scenario right. um, in the high school league, but as a Bantam, they're going to play 60 games. And then they come yeah. to high school and they play – 25, 25, 30, yeah. So it's a huge drop-off, and a slump can, like, be a half a season. Right. right? And that's a, has a real negative effect on a lot of kids. And so I I, I would encourage for maybe a month-longer season, which would allow for 10 more games.
0: Yeah, and, and my argument is, is you can still accomplish that and not take away. Your son plays baseball you're still not taking away from baseball you're still not taking away from football football ends for almost every high school by November 1st you could still start on November 1st and still be done by mid-march or by March 1st and well, you we, still can do all the multi-sport stuff we live we live in Minnesota
1: <laughs> really there's not a lot of turf baseball fields and so high school as base- you know high school baseball is going to start April 15th or later yeah and so if you're a hockey player Probably don't, other than making sure you get swings in right. and some arm care in or endurance, I mean, which can happen on a Sunday yeah, when you're not playing a hockey game, uh, you know, baseball season is going to start late. So there's plenty of room to expand. I uh, agree. And and I just think it would, A, mirror the university-college game better and B not be so far away from what they did in Bantams and potentially what they'll do in, Dude, jun- juniors. in
0: juniors. Well, because all these kids are playing high school elite league, they're they're getting their sixty games. They're just on about two or three different teams as they get to their sixty games. That's right. what I tell people.
1: And when you're playing with a team, when you're playing in the elite league, like you're playing an individual game, totally right. And I so agree. It's, it's a completely different model than playing for your high school.
0: I I agree with you. I like the elite league it serves a purpose but it's not I wouldn't say real hockey but it's not it's not a real team based game. Right. And you're playing against six opponents every weekend. It's 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 a little bit different than playing a high school level or junior level. All right. Um you're from Canada? We got some differences between Americans and Canadians, and we're going to discuss a few of them. Uh, Well documented on our our show that uh, your daughter, Reese, is one of my favorite kids. She's uh, funny, uh, engaging, Uh, sophomore now in college, right? Yep. She's
1: just just graduated from her sophomore year, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. So – Funny, uh, she's got it all put together. She and I debate all the time on what craft dinner is all about. Let's <laughs> let's let's get it. Let's just put it all out there. We're gonna do some differences between American things and Canadian things. Craft dinners first. Why is the uh, Canadian craft dinner better than the
1: American one? Well, the American one wouldn't even know what craft dinner is, so I better <laughs> explain that macaroni and cheese. Sorry. Yes, yes. So macaroni, it's it's branded mac and cheese. In the U.S., it's branded KD in Canada, which is short for Kraft Dinner. They're both made by Kraft, but the one in the U.S. is has food color yellow dye three, which is a banned substance in Canada. So we actually use. And why is it banned? You know, I mean, just I don't know what sucks. I mean, no, I just think it's a.
0: That's what Reese would say.
1: I think it's a health concern.
0: Yeah. All right. right? They're so much healthier in Canada
1: than they are here. I don't know. I, I don't even know that one. That's you, don't. not me. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I don't even that. know to tell you the truth. That, I don't think there's much difference. But our cheese is what I would say in craft dinner is creamier, cheesier, and it's because it's a real, it's real orange cheddar cheese, dried, right? Uh, as opposed to something that's made up to make it taste. I
0: was in good. Edmonton after she and I had this debate, and I had that was in my hotel room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm like, I gotta eat it. Like
0: stirred it up, made it, was gross, just like the American Mac cheese. I know they're both kind of gross, to be honest with you. I sent her a picture of it. I'm like, is this what it is? And she goes,
1: that's it. Like, it was,
0: like, from the God, or from the heavens, and it wasn't anything different.
1: Well, I mean, let's face it, it's dried macaroni, pasta. So right, it wasn't very no good. no protein or anything. So Nothing. it's not a, I mean, it's not an elaborate meat. <laughs> no. You know, it's something that you eat when you're in college.
0: All right, speaking, of, when we talk about food, now let's talk about beer, the Canadian beer versus the American beer.
1: Who wins that one? (laughs) I mean, if you just go traditional, straight-up brands. Right. Budweiser, Molson, not close. No, because the the alcohol content in Canada is higher than the alcohol content in the U.S. And so when you drink the same beer in the U.S., it feels like you're drinking water. (laughs) Now, that being said, I mean, this is Castle Danger, great brewery from just north of Duluth, unbelievable craft beer. There's really good craft beer in the U.S. Yeah. It's just when you go with your traditional brands. Uh, if if I put a Canadian one and an American one beside, you would say the American one has no taste.
0: You get to, I agree with that, you get to you go back to Belleville or you go see some old friends in Vancouver and you sit down at a bar, what's the beer that you order there? And uh, you want to be Canadian, what is it? Molson, Canadian. Molson. That's you. Uh, give me the Molson, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, who has
1: better youth athletics, U.S. or Canada? The U.S. does such an amazing job at their communities putting these complexes that allow immense growth in every sport. I mean, from a high school conglomerate of, of I mean, every high school in the U.S. Feel, I feel like has, like, college style campus. I was over
0: my, my daughter plays soccer too and we were over in Woodbury next, next to Bielenberg where did you did you guys play there the We no, played baseball there. Yeah, you've seen this thing, right? Yes. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm yeah. like, yep, and there's their high school, there's a the high school stadium. They got twenty five soccer fields, baseball. it's just unbelievable what they have there. Yeah. And I mean,
1: we have that in every high school in the area. That's what I mean. Like every every community has the the complexes to support high level uh youth youth and sport. it's
0: not just hockey no. it's football it's everything,
1: everything. Yep. and and it's
0: not just the twin cities it's everywhere right okay. i mean and like, what what is it like in canada
1: like my high school had a gravel track really and a grass football soccer rugby field that had potholes i mean not nice turf that you yeah. get a true bounce on like potholes the size of like a dump truck um that you had to play sports on, so it's just a completely different model. And why is that? Is it is there a priority dollar spent other places? Probably, or? yeah. I mean that, and just uh, it's not viewed as a money making conglomerate for the school. It's used as an extracurricular.
0: Right, right. It's just kind of a, a bystander. All right, all right. So we got a couple good things. Uh, What about healthcare? US healthcare, Canadian healthcare.
1: You grew up in in that system. What who's got it better? I think I mean, to be honest with you, I think there's some sort of happy medium. Uh the Canadian healthcare is great in that you can go and get treated in an emergency and there's no money that changes hands, there's no responsibility on the patient. The, the pro, and the US, like I can go get seen today for anything. Yeah. Um and that doesn't exist in Canada. So there's some sort of happy, happy medium, medium, in my opinion, of like privatized healthcare, systematic healthcare, and combining the two so that, you know, you, A, it would make insurance rates go way down. Yeah. Because you can get some of your emergency healthcare without it having to be covered.
0: Your health we chatted before we turned the recording button on and was, you know, if, if you have an a- ACL, you're a sports, you know, you're playing sports and you hurt your wrist or whatever. You cannot be
1: seen sometimes in Canada for two, three weeks. Yeah. If it's not an emergency, sometimes it's hard for doc- like doctors just don't have access to operating rooms or MRI machines or, you know, so on and so forth. Now, if it's an emergency, you're, you're going to get seen and it's yeah. going to happen right away. But it's the non-emergency emergency care elective that that sometimes gets pushed off and um you know if you're a hockey player and you know you're a junior and you tear your ACL and you got <laughs> 7 months until high school season like you need to get that thing thing fixed now you can't wait a month to have ACL repair no. surgery cuz that buys into your recovery Rehab time and, and everything getting back for your senior season so there's there but there's some sort of model that in my opinion that is a combination of the two that would be ideal.
0: All right, uh, last question. You're Canadian through and true. Um, you're watching the World Juniors with a bunch of Americans. Uh, do you hide it that you're Canadian and you're cheering for the Canadians, or are you just are you are you just outright just cheering for the Canadians?
1: Uh, because you've probably had that happen in I've the last both, couple of years. I've been both. Okay. I mean, if my American friends are classy about it. <laughs> I'll be classy about it. If they're loud about it, I'm gonna be loud about it. I mean, and I, you know, put myself back in the locker room. Canada, Finland, Sweden, U.S. I mean, there's significant pride on the line. Yeah, and you're rooting. I mean, there's wrestling matches to see who's gonna win the game. You know, when
0: like, you were in, when you were in the pros. Did
1: you guys have some good battles in the locker room? Verbal battles in the locker rooms? I mean. Bets probably even? I've brought in a Canadian jersey in and made, like, (laughs) I I, I think Miko had to wear a Canada jersey one day out for practice. Really? Yes. So there's bets that go on, fun bets like that, that, you know, you have to wear the other country's jersey or. Now, is it?
0: Is, what do you think about the pros in the Olympics? Is it as awesome as I think as a fan? I'm more of just a fan. Is it cool that they get to play or you've 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 experienced the break? you know, what was it like having to take the break and watch the superstars play in the Olympics for two or three weeks?
1: I mean it was super special. Being in Vancouver, Ed Jovanovsky and Todd Bertuzzi were playing uh for Canada. Were you in Vancouver when in Torino? Like Were you in Vancouver when so they like, won- Oh, it was Salt Lake that they... They beat the U.S.
0: I'm trying to think of where it was. What was the one in Vancouver? Was it, two, it was, or 2002. 2010, 2010 two th-
1: was in Vancouver. Vancouver. And but I was were, in Pittsburgh, and so... Oh, State, you were in Pittsburgh then. So, okay, right. I mean, I, we were rooting on Sydney, because, yeah. and he's the one that scored the goal. Yeah, right. on so, Ryan Miller. Yeah, and so, I mean, I had the opportunity to be, have teammates that are playing, and, you know, Marcus Nazo was playing for Sweden when I was in Vancouver, and, you know, you have different... Sergei Gonchar was playing for Russia when I so was So you're kind of cheering for
0: their team in a
1: way, aren't you? When they're not playing against Canada, yes.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> How about this? This is this was not scripted, um, but I, you've, we're kind of leaning that way anyway. Um, the American – I hate to even say the words because it kind of makes me barf a little bit – is the American development of the ADM. But what what the Americans are doing to hockey, are we doing –
1: Hockey? Are we are we good for hockey? Are we good for hockey in the world? I mean, that development has been the the development model has been like adopted by many countries, and the U.S. named it something, but you know, cr- created their own model within a model that has worked in other countries. And so, right, I think it's I think it's important. I think it's uh, uber important to get your kids young and start developing them and. I mean, as I said, I don't, I don't think it's too early to teach kids right ways and wrong ways to do things. And then on top of that, you know, if I look back to when I was a kid, when I developed the most was when I was outside on a rink with kids that were three, two or three years older than me. And I had to figure out how to succeed.
0: Right. With less time and space,
1: right? Well, I'm not faster. I'm not bigger. I'm not more skilled. And so how am I going to succeed on the ice? And so that's a little bit what that model presents. And I think it's uber important to allow kids that time. All right. So
0: where do we fit as Americans in the world landscape, in your opinion? Do, are they, do the Canadians, are they looking in the rearview mirror at how great the U.S. is doing, or they don't even care? I'll tell you a story in a I'll second. T-
1: I'll tell you. If you say, if, I mean, I would never say that other countries don't care because, I mean, it's a it's a massive thing within every country, right? I I couldn't tell you where everyone sits, but I would tell you that there's a like power five or six right now that right. Are at the top and it's neck and neck, and everyone. Wants I don't think to, any
0: one of them's prohibitively better.
1: No, exactly. Right?
0: Yeah. It, where it used to be Canada, Russia, everybody
1: else for a long time
0: in the seventies, eighties, nineties, right? And yes. now I think you feel like Finland and the U.S. have equaled things off. Now we have at least four. And then Sweden as well.
1: Yeah, and I would even put Czech Republic there. They're
0: coming, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, you know, they've gone through this transition and you know, you you look at world championships Ren world championships are a little bit different. Yeah, There's a lot of the European countries, leagues, so all of their, their leagues are done. Yeah, so their best of their best are there. Still minus there. The ones in the NHL, yeah. whereas Canada or like Canada, all of their players, their best players are playing.
0: We have a and the U.S. has American Hockey League players playing in. Right. So it, there's
1: there's leagues in North America that prevent Canada and U.S. from sending their right. best. Um, but like Germany's having success, Switzerland's having success. Like all of these other countries are putting a ton of resources into developing hockey in their country.
0: Yeah, and Switzerland's gotten so much better in hockey just in the last 10 years. So now, it's, it's to me, it makes it more fun. When there's more countries that can win versus just two or three, it actually makes it into a real tournament.
1: Well, it's parity, right? And yeah. It, and it creates competition, and it creates the unknown of who's going to beat who on any night. Like, no one wants to sit down and watch a game. I mean... Went 16 to nothing, It would would be asking, like, do you want to watch a Bantam team play a squirt team? No. Because you don't. Because it's just not fair, right? So if you're going to watch a game, you want it to be competitive, you want it to be intense, and you want it to be electric. And to do that, there has to be parity. And so the more parity there is and the more other countries develop their model and work on development within their youth organizations, the better they're going to be in the long run, which will then – create more competition and
0: that's why it excites me when you hear about these Asian countries coming over to North America and training and learning about them. like could you imagine you watch like uh, the Chinese and basketball are becoming good they're great in like men's gymnastics they have some programs could you imagine if they put all the resources towards that many people and they have money and they have people right. and they have good athletes how much better hockey in this world becomes if you get another continent on
1: board for sure I I agree with that I mean <laughs> You know, just their population alone. Yeah,
0: and, and resources. So it's it's pretty cool. So it's been fun sitting down with you. We did it in under an hour. Uh, any final thoughts from Mister Cook on uh, where you're going here in the next year? You got a really busy schedule.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it, at the end of the day, it's my passion for the sport of hockey and my care and concern for development, and that's what all th- you know, all three different. Uh, entities. Compartments of yeah. my life in the near future are about. And, uh, you know, I'm just super excited uh, to see all of the athletes that I'm able to touch.
0: Well, I'm excited, too, because we have you for five games. That means I'm going to get to see you at the rink at least five times. We'll get you some other games, too. It's it's going to be great having you in my immediate circle, uh, not just your daughter Reese in our circle. And, and, and good luck to you guys, uh, uh, your family getting used to this system and all the different work that you're going to have. It's going to be like you're going to be like a pro hockey player again. you will be gone all the time. But in my bed every night. Yeah, and in Minneapolis. Yes. So that's
1: one of the biggest keys for me and my family was all of these things allow me to be home every night, and that's important.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, For Matt Cook, I'm Tony Scott. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our sponsor, Lots of Mutts Pizza, for today's broadcast.